coming to you in defence on, on, on the Lord for or needed help. I'd like you to turn uh, in your Bibles to the chapter that we read together, the Gospel according to John, uh, chapter 12, and the text you'll find in verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. As you are all well aware, uh, this, this day has been set aside for the uh, worship of God to uh, give, to return thanks to him for uh, his abundant grace uh, towards us as a nation and as individuals. Uh, in providing a harvest, as we have heard, both in seed and in fruit and in, uh, even in the cattle uh, that, we, that we eat, the Lord has provided and remained faithful to his, uh, to his covenant that he made and that those things that he has created have continued to exist and to bring forth after uh, their kind. Uh, we know that the seed, one seed is planted into the ground and it brings forth uh, 30 or 40 fold of itself. And there is nothing really, I think, to be compared with, with that. There is nowhere that you can invest money uh, to get such a return. Uh, there is no work in which you can labour to provide uh, an abundant supply uh, of funds or a return in such a way. And the Lord has... Um, provided for uh, this world uh, in such a remarkable way that the things that he has created uh, continue to exist uh, in themselves and to reproduce and to procreate uh, and to multiply and we uh, benefit uh, from that. Our country uh, is an extremely prosperous country and we live in a, a, in a measure of luxury compared to many people uh, over the earth, having experienced it myself uh, and, and seen firsthand how uh, some people are so dependent upon the Lord being faithful to his promise, faithful to providing rain and sun uh, and uh, <coughs> in, in right quantities, uh, having lived with people who live uh, hand to mouth, season by season, and if the Lord uh, if the crop fails, then they struggle for life. And I think in this congregation, there's nobody uh, who has had to struggle for their existence uh, due to uh, not being enough food. We are provided for. And if, if work doesn't bring in enough, then the government uh, quite happily step in and, and provide and help us. And so the Lord is... Kind, but in our abundance, in our abundance of luxury, uh, it makes us very materially minded. It makes us very aware of material things. And we become less spiritual. Now, those people who live hand to mouth, those people that don't have enough money or food for tomorrow, live in complete dependence upon the Lord. Uh, Christians, you find speaking to them, having remarkable answers to prayer. We only have to read through uh, the, the history books of those who have gone before us 
and sin when they lived in harder times. The, uh, the amazing way in which the Lord provided for them and, and helped them. And in our material and luxurious life uh, which we have now, we, we lose out on these spiritual benefits and our faith uh, becomes weak and we become worried and concerned. But the Lord continues to remain faithful to that promise that he made all those thousands of years ago, that he will continue uh, to provide seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, until, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And then when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, everything that we have ever rested upon and, and lived in uh, um, and indulged upon, those material possessions which we have hoarded up for ourselves will be taken away from us. And we will go from this life, from time, into eternity. And we are thankful that the Lord did continue to, and has continued to, to favour and to keep his covenant that he made. Not only with Noah in providing seed time and harvest, but also the covenant that he made with Adam and with Eve. That one day the seed of the woman was going to come and to bruise the serpent's head. And in our reading that we read together, uh, we read of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the seed of the woman. And as we began our reading, there were some uh, Greeks who came seeking for the Lord Jesus. They had come, uh, Greeks outside of the covenant of Israel, and they had come, having heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, they had come for the feast. And so it would seem that they had been uh, they had come from idolatry, uh, they had come uh, uh, to faith in the true and living God, they had been brought into uh, the, the, the worship of God through uh, the, the Jewish way, they had come up to the temple. But they somehow had heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. Fame, we know, had spread abroad about the Lord Jesus and many people followed the Lord Jesus for the many wonderful things that he did. And how he provided uh, for the multitudes. And the news you could imagine would spread far and wide. Of somebody who was able to take uh, five loaves and two, full, uh, two fishes. And feed 5,000 plus people. And you could imagine that uh, people would, would, uh, would be drawn to such a person. And they were. And people are drawn, aren't they, to our own country. They hear of the, the luxury that is here. They hear of the welfare system and the health system. And they are drawn from all over the world to, uh, to come to this country of ours and to participate in our, uh, in our high standard of living. Because that's what people focus upon. They want an easier life. They want an easier existence. They want to be provided with material things. And so they followed the Lord Jesus from far and wide. They were drawn to him from many, many places. But some for the wrong reasons. 
Some only wanted that material, um, that those material things. Some just wanted to see the miracles. Uh, some just wanted to to see him uh, and and uh, to see the many things that he was doing. But some came because they wanted to sit with him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And they wanted to be enlightened, as it were. And these Greeks, it would seem, were such people. <coughs> sir, they, sir, they say, we would see Jesus. They did not just want to see him, but they wanted to be acquainted with him. They wanted to uh, know him uh, in uh, a greater detail. And they came to, to Philip. And Philip comes to Andrew. And Andrew and Philip go to Jesus. And they tell Jesus that there's some Greeks that have come to see you. Now this almost triggers something in the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says the hour is come. <clears throat> the hour is come. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ was brought into this world at a specific time. The covenant was made, the promise was made that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. But it was going to take uh, thousands of years uh, for that specific time that God had uh, appointed for his son to come into the world. Specific people had to be born. Plans and arrangements uh, had to be made. Mary and Joseph had to be born and brought together. Details and prophecies had to be spoken and fulfilled before the Lord Jesus Christ could come into this world. And even at his specific time, his whole life was arranged in a specific way, a purposeful way, that everything that he did was to, was to do in honour of his Father. Not my will, but thy will be done. Everything that he did, even to the, uh, the, the taking of the vinegar upon the cross at Calvary, was so that scripture would be fulfilled. And so he says, as he sees these Greeks coming to him, the hour is come. The hour. It is said that the Gospel of John, John specifically focuses on these times, this appointed hour that the Lord Jesus Christ was waiting for. In chapter 13 and verse 1, he says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them <coughs> unto the end. You see, he knew that the, the time was approaching. At the time and the, uh, was approaching for him to die uh, upon the cross. He says, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. And as he sees the time approaching. The very reason for him to come into this world was that the seed the seed of the woman should be cast into the ground and die. 
John 17, in verse 1, he says again, at his prayer, These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, also, that thy Son also may glorify thee. The climax of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was going to come uh, to fruition when he is placed upon the cross. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That his purpose for coming into this world was to live perfect and upright, fulfilling the whole law of God, every line, every dot uh, uh, of the law of God living in complete obedience to the will of his Father. But his reason for living was that he must die. There is no greater love than this, he says, that a man shall lay down his life for his friends. And so Jesus saw the time of his death approaching. We could say the sand timer of his life, his earthly life, was running out as he sees these Greeks searching for him. As he knows that when he dies upon the cross, that that way is going to be opened for Jew and Gentile to find uh, salvation through him and reconciliation with God through him. But he must have died. He must die to pay the punishment for sin and rise again in newness of life. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. And Jesus, we know, uses this illustration of a corn of wheat as an illustration of himself. We know that the Lord Jesus took many earthly examples to help us to understand spiritual things. He speaks about the fishes and the fishermen casting their nets into the sea and bringing up all different kinds of fish. He speaks of the sower that went to sow, casting the seed and falling on different types of ground. He speaks of the environment. He says, you, you, you say that it's fair weather because there's red sky in the morning. You cannot comprehend uh, that the word of God is here right now. And so he takes these physical things that we can see and he uses them to help us to understand spiritual truths. And so he says, I am a, as a corn of wheat that, if, that falls to the ground. And dies, it abides alone, except it die, unless it dies. The purpose then of the seed is not to be left upon the side, it's not to be stored up, but it's to die. For it to bear fruit, it has to die. It is either buried into the ground. 
in which it, it, it dies and it brings forth a fruit that way. Or it is ground into powder and makes bread or some other cereal or something like that. Either way, for that seed to become fruitful, it has to cease to exist in its present condition and only then will it be enabled to bear fruit or bring forth more life. As I was looking at this, I was reminded of something that I read years ago, really. That the Jews did not farm like we farm. If you remember the parable or the, the parable that Jesus told about the sower that he went forth to sow. Look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. And he speaks there of a sower in verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it sprung up, it was withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. Now when we farm, the farmer first ploughs his field. Then he rakes it to level it off, and then he goes along with a, a seed planter and puts in the seeds at specific depths and part, uh, distances apart, uh, and he ploughs his field in that way. And then he leaves it, and he waits for the green shoots to come. But as I understand it, the Jews first scattered their seed, and then they ploughed. So the seed fell in very different, different areas, and different places. Some was then left and then some was ploughed under into the ground. And so there is a sowing and then there is a ploughing. And if we apply those truths to the Lord Jesus Christ. In his example that he has before us. If we apply those truths to his life. Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Now we see the Lord Jesus Christ as a seed. We've seen him as the seed of the woman, which was promised to Eve. That the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. That the curse would be overthrown. And that the, the seed of the woman would gain a victory over Satan. And if we look through the scripture, we see that uh, the seed is always applied to the male. The seed of Abraham uh, and such like. But we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was the seed of the woman. The only one uh, to be born of a woman without any intervention of man. Uh, conceived of the Holy Spirit. And at the appointed time that took place. And that Christ then was born into this world as a seed planted upon this earth. And John takes up a similar theme, doesn't he? 
uh, when opening his gospel about the word of God. In the beginning, uh, sorry, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If we go back to the parable that the Lord Jesus Christ says, he says the seed is the word of God. And we know that the word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the revealed word of God. The revealed will of God manifested to us in the flesh. And that in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And so with Christ we see him as the word of God, the seed of God. Who has always existed, held in the, uh, the bosom of the Father. But at the, point, at the appointed time. He was cast to this earth. Maybe cast is a too strong a word. Placed or brought forth into this world. As the farmer holds his seed until the appointed time. And at the appointed time when he sees the climate changing. And he sees the environment at the specifically the right place. It is then that he plants the seed into the earth. And when the appointed time came for Christ to come, Christ also was uh, placed into this earth, the seed of the woman, the word of God. And he was brought forth uh, of a woman. And he lived upon this earth, housed in a uh, human body. The scripture tells us, tried and tempted as we are yet uh, without sin. As we read through the gospels, we see the many different emotions that the Lord Jesus Christ went through, which we can uh, understand. Tiredness and, and hunger and thirst and, and weariness. And we can identify with uh, those things. But not only was he sown, to this earth. So we said the Jews then ploughed the earth. The seed is sown and then it is ploughed. We go to the book of Psalms. There's a prophecy there about the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 129. The ploughers ploughed upon my back. They made long their furrows. We know as we read through the gospels of the law, the gospel, or we read through the gospels, we see the accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ being scourged. In Psalms, he likens it to a plough ploughing a back. They make long their furrows. In John 19, the Bible tells us, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers 
plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe upon him. So as the ground is ploughed to, to cover up the seed, so Christ was, was ploughed as it were. We know as he was on the cross, the Bible tells us that after they had scourged him, and after they had nailed him to the cross, that there was darkness upon the face of the earth for six hours. That as Christ was nailed to the, to the tree and he was made sin for his people, as he was made the, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, and he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That it's as though there was that darkness, that covering over of Christ, the seed, the seed of the woman who was planted into this world. In Isaiah, Isaiah tells us there, Isaiah 53. <coughs> but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement was upon him. And with his stripes uh, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and, have, and turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It goes on, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had none done no violence neither was any deceit found in his mouth and so as Christ as the seed of God planted into this world ploughed over as it were by man and by uh, his father as he was made sin for, uh, for his people and then the scripture tells us that upon the cross he gave up the ghost. He died. They came unto him seeing that he was dead already. They pierced his side and out came blood and water. And they buried him in a grave. The scripture tells us that he was placed in the tomb for three days. As a seed that is buried in the ground. It must have died. To enable it to bring forth much fruit. And so Jesus is saying that a seed left on the side living. Just on the side there. Is not fulfilling its total potential. Its potential is seen. When it is planted into the ground. And then it brings forth fruit. Except it die. It abides alone. John 19 uh, tells us there, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, 
that the scripture might be fulfilled, he says, I I thirst. Now there was set a vessel of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it on his, into his mouth. And Jesus said, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom all things are all things, to bring many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth Christ, and they who are sanctified, those of his people, are all one, of which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, except it die, it abide alone, and if it die, it brings forth much fruit. There is, in Kenya, we used to grow uh, beans, uh, black beans. And the beans, if you just drop them onto the floor and the, it rains, they, they, they germinate. And as they grow, the seed itself uh, it joins onto the stem and becomes part of that plant. And that's like the Lord Jesus Christ. Planted into the earth, he dies. And through his death, he brings forth life. He was raised again for our justification. He says, no man takes my life, but I lay it down for my friends. And he is raised again because God was pleased with his son. He was pleased with the sacrifice that he had made. And he was well pleased with his son. As the high priest came out of the temple, the congregation saw that God had accepted the sacrifice. And as Christ comes out of the grave, those who witness see that that God accepted his sacrifice. He entered into the Holy of Holies, not with any blood of animals, but with his own blood. And as he entered into the Holy of Holies, not made with hands, but heaven itself, God was well pleased and satisfied that the death of his son was enough payment to redeem his people from out of underneath his wrath. And it pleased God. And it pleased Christ to do the work of God. And in his death, as he is raised up from the grave, like that bean plant brings up the, uh, the seed with it. So Christ, as he rose from the dead, justified untold millions of people who would ever believe and trust in him. He was raised again for their justification. That his life, his death and his resurrection wiped out all sin. For his people. The wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And that's what Christ has done for his people. Their catalogue of sin that is worthy of eternal damnation, the eternal wrath of God, was paid in full by the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he rose again, it is evidence that he worked eternal life for them. As the seed comes up out of the ground, it bears not one head, does it? Not one seed, but a multitude of seeds. And as Christ comes up out of the grave, he brings with him, as the scripture tells us, of every nation, of every tribe and of every tongue, a, a, a multitude of people without number. All waiting for their specific time in which they also will be, he, will be revealed to them by the Spirit's work that they are found amongst the number. Both he that sanctified and they that are sanctified, made holy, washed from sin, are one. They become part of the same, brought into his body, whom he is the head, brought into his church, in which he is the cornerstone and foundation of his own building. And then there is that evidence as the seed dies in the ground. And as the farmer comes to look at his field, he is looking for life. I remember when after we have planted in Kenya, it was dry. And you look, there'll be nothing. Go again, there'd be nothing. And then it would rain. And you'd begin to see line upon line upon line upon line of seeds that have germinated. Except it die, it abides alone in the darkness, under the ground. But if it has life, when the, the water comes on it, and, and it comes up out of the ground, it signifies life. And for the seed, that's not the end of its journey, is it? But for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was the end of his earthly work as he came up out of the grave. He lives those, uh, continues on those 40 days and then is taken up into glory where he ever lives to intercede for his people. But the cycle must continue. As we have heard, my brother here, that Millions of tons of grain was harvested in England. But that grain cannot just stay there in the granary. Some is set aside for next year. And some is set aside for food. Either way, that grain has to cease to exist. It has to die. For that cycle to continue. The next crop must go into the ground and die. The next crop must be taken to the grinding mill and ground into powder to make bread to bring life uh, to us. 
And so all those who follow Christ must also die. You see, you can continue as a seed alone, just on the side, doing your own thing, being selfish, just existing, doing your own will, not wanting to die to self, but to live to self. You can try to preserve your life and do what you want to do day by day and follow the crowd and be as religious as you want to be, fulfilling and satisfying yourself. But there you are just a seed alone. You're not fulfilling uh, the purpose of, your, of why God created mankind to glorify himself. The seed is created uh, to ina- uh, so that it may, may die. And only when it dies can it bring fruit. You see a seed left on the floor. Will just be swept up and cast into the fire. And the Bible tells us that's what will take place with untold millions of people. Those who have sought to hold their life to themselves and rejected the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having had no desire to associate themselves. Having their ears hardened and their hearts, uh, their eyes blinded to the gospel. The Bible says that Christ's reapers will come one day. And they will gather the tares and they will cast them into the fire. They will gather the branches of the vine that are not bearing any fruit. And they will cast them into the fire. But Jesus says, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that says it's my life, it's the saying, isn't it, of of today. It's my life. I can do what I want with it. I can go where I want to go. I can do what I want to do. I'm not being ruled or governed by anybody. It's me. It's my life. But eternal life will be lost. He who lives their life now is as a seed put onto the roadside. He who lives their life now loses the eternal life. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Not that you hate yourself, maybe you will feel that you hate yourself because you're so sinful. And you so often let down the Lord Jesus Christ. And you end up hating yourself. But it's he that hands over his life to the Lord Jesus. And says not my life. Not my will. But thy will be done. It's as though he hates it. He loves Christ more than he loves himself. And it is him or her that will keep it to all eternal life. In Romans 6, it tells us there. (coughs) 
Know ye not that so many of us were baptised into Jesus Christ, were baptised into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. It goes on knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. One of the evidences of a person that has been born again is that they have died to self. That the old nature has been crucified and, and put to death and they walk in newness of life. And we symbolise that by following what the Lord Jesus Christ commanded his disciples to do. To go into all the world and baptise those who believe will be baptised. And they are baptising, signifying to other people that they have died to themselves. That they are being planted into the ground. And they are being raised in the newness of life. And it is only then that when one is walking in newness of life. That they are enabled to bring forth fruit that is acceptable to God. As this morning we saw, it is only believers who are able to truly walk in thankfulness to God for his kind provision in dealing with us in mercy. It's only them who are unable to, to see God as he is through faith. And it's only believers, those who are walking with Christ, died to self, it's only them that are able to bring forth fruit that is pleasing and honouring to God the Father. And we see that in the, uh, the parable that the Lord Jesus gives of the, of the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. There's, there's fruit to be born. And that fruit can only be born inside uh, of Christ. And as a seed falls into the ground, each believer has to fall into the ground as it were. Fall into Christ. Die to themselves, die to their sin, die to their past life. And only then are they enabled to be raised again in newness of life. Like the Lord Jesus Christ. He rose in newness of life. And he brings forth much fruit. You know those lives that we read about. Those people who have gone before us. And the Lord has used them for the advancement of his kingdom. They die to self. Like Isaiah. And who would go for us? Here am I. Send me. Sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Handing the life over as it were. Dying to self. And it is only then. If any man serve me. Let him follow me. That where I am. There shall my servant be. 
If any man serve me, him will my father honour. May the Lord enable us then this evening uh, to, uh, to die to self, to realise that our life outside of Christ is useless. And it's only inside of Christ that a believer is enabled to bear fruit uh, to, to the honour and glory of God the Father. And may we be enabled by the Spirit's power to bring forth that fruit to the honour and glory of God. That he, he may be glorified in our sinful existence. That some good may come uh, from us being here. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Amen.